Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Only one day left in March, and we're going to be officially a quarter of the way through the new year. So 2021 is just flying flying way quicker than 2020 and speaking of flying this is episode number 60 when i started the show back in january i don't think i anticipated to be able to have logged and published as many episodes as i have and as i have so quickly but the next thing you know a cali green monster show turned into a a daily weekday podcast where you know i get to sit in this beautiful car in this beautiful city and talk to you about you know everything that i find interesting in the sports world or the media world or whatever i find interesting to talk about you know last night we had the last two games of the elite eight finish up so now we know who's going to be in the final four this upcoming weekend so i'm going to talk a little bit about that combat sports world has a lot of news so there's a lot to talk about there all from ufc 262 looking like a stacked card at least on the top of the bill abc on or ufc on abc2 with darren till breaking his collarbone looks like they're going to need a new headliner with someone stepping up pretty quick so i'm going to talk about that as well and over the weekend we had a press conference between ben Askren and jake paul for their upcoming boxing bout in april so i also want to highlight that a bit so we got a nice little show for you here on wednesday if you tuned into yesterday's show I had mentioned I was feeling a little under the weather. I'd gotten my first dose of the Moderna vaccine on Monday. So I was kind of getting a little bit of side effects from that, you know, just overall muscle soreness and a headache. I described it kind of as, you know, almost hangover symptoms. I'm feeling better now. I mean, my arm still feels a little slightly sore, you know, kind of like on, you know, I got it on my left arm. So it was a left shoulder. And I still have some soreness kind of like in my left elbow, like kind of like elbow slash upper forearm but you know that's that's definitely doable and I think it's time to get back to the salt mines and you know work the day job and you know maybe bring you a little bit more upbeat podcast today than as it was yesterday so as I mentioned at the beginning of the show the last two matchups of the elite eight were yesterday each of the matchups consisted of one of the two big colleges based out of Los Angeles The first matchup saw the number one seed, Gonzaga, facing USC. And I had mentioned in the show, or yesterday's show, that for USC to make this game close, they're, you know, they're going to have to use their length, their size, and just their defense to try to be able to slow Gonzaga down. That wasn't the case. Gonzaga rolled 85 to 66. They they remained undefeated. I think that's 30-0 on the year. And that's their 27th straight win by double digits. So Gonzaga has definitely been a class above everyone they've played this year. And they've rolled through the championship or through the March Madness tournament. They're in the Final Four like many people predicted. You know, the people in my March Madness Pick'em group, almost every single person had Gonzaga going to the championship. So, you know, Gonzaga has lived up to the hype and... You know, they're looking good. If not, they've been almost better than expected. 
And in the second matchup yesterday, we had UCLA knock off the number one seed, Michigan. So UCLA, they came, they had to play into the tournament. You know, there was four play-in games prior than the prior to the whole March Madness tournament starting. UCLA had to beat Michigan State in overtime to even get in the tournament. And man, they've gone on a run. You know, yesterday they, you know, they faced a tough defensive Michigan team that has been playing pretty good in the tournament. I know there was a lot of people that were predicting Michigan, who throughout parts of the regular season was the number one overall team in the country. So there was a lot of people that were predicting Michigan to be able to go to the Final Four. I know a lot of people in my pick had picked them going to the Final Four. However, when I was breaking down the teams, you know, injury to one of their star players and them losing in the semifinals of the Big Ten Conference Tournament gave me kind of pause for concern to have Michigan you know, going all the way to the Final Four or potentially to a national championship. You know, they look good going up and all the way to the Elite Eight, but, you know, UCLA, they were able to match them defensively. It was a very low-scoring game. So it was 51-49 to 49 UCLA. So you compare that scoring game, 51-49, to 49, that's only 100 points versus the 85-66 to 66 game in the Gonzaga-USC game. So, you know, definitely looking ahead to the Gonzaga UCLA match UCLA is going to have to try to find a way to slow Gonzaga down but you know a lot of people thought that USC was going to be able to do that and Gonzaga had no problem running through them so you know UCLA has had a really great run this is their first final four since 2008 and they're the first team since VCU in 2011 to make it into the tournament from that play-in game and make it all the way to the final four however i don't know gonzaga has been looking really good and i think ucla beating gonzaga would be one of the great tournament upsets in the tournament's history and you know me personally on the other side of the bracket we got baylor and houston i i picked houston to get to the final four i think i'm the only person in my groups pick them to do that and I, not only do I have Houston going to the Final Four against Baylor, I have Houston going to the National Championship. So that Houston-Baylor matchup that's on Saturday is definitely going to be a big one for me. And like I said, I want to win my like 65, 70 bucks, whatever it is on the line because, you know, I don't even know if it's a money thing or just a bragging, right, bragging rights thing. You know, it's just like with fantasy football, you know, I winning all the money would be nice but at the end of the day i usually want that championship belt slash trophy and they'd be able to shit talk for the whole year so it would be kind of nice to win you know my tournament pick them and be like hey you know you guys got rope dope by a cali green monster and took all your money so you know we'll see i'm definitely a big houston fan at least going into this weekend and i think at that point i've got gonzaga over houston in the finals so you know We'll definitely, I'm definitely going to be sitting here anticipating. I'm going to be holding off talking shit because I know that really my bracket success really comes down to Houston and Baylor because the other people that are kind of competitive and have a chance to win it have picked Baylor to win that side of the bracket and have it a Gonzaga and Baylor national championship. So if we can get Gonzaga and Houston, yep, I'm going to be celebrating. All right, moving on to UFC, you know, UFC 262. That's going to happen on May 15th in Houston. Yesterday, there was a big announcement um, for the co-main event of that. It was going to be Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. It's going to be a 170-pound welterweight title fight. You know, it's pretty huge. Any card that Nate Diaz is on is going to be, you know, it's going to draw eyeballs. When he, you know, he's one of the people, when he fought, 
Conor McGregor for that first fight. You know, the whole sound clip that starts off with this show with Joe Rogan being like, hey, you just shook, shook up the world. And, and Nate Diaz is just like, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. You know, that was him after he beat, I think, Michael Johnson, I think, in like a... And he called out Conor McGregor being like, you know, Conor McGregor, you've taken everything I've ever worked for. And then they had a humongous fight, their first fight. Their second fight ended up being, I think, one of the biggest UFC pay-per-views of all time. You know, Nate Diaz has parlayed his star power into a huge fight with Jorge Masvidal back in November of 2019, where they literally created a whole title belt, the bad motherfucker belt. So he fought that for that title against Jorge Masvidal, which drew huge numbers. So Nate Diaz is one of the biggest stars in MMA, regardless of his record. His really like, don't give a fuck attitude, you know, him and his brother, Nick Diaz, they're just, you know, I think they're almost like cult like figures in the MMA community, especially the diehard MMA community. And I think it's just a testament to his star power that he's the co-main event with Leon Edwards. And for the first time ever, a non-title co-main event is going to be five rounder. So, you know, this is definitely a special circumstances. And I think it has something to do with Nate Diaz being such a star. You know, he's lined up against Leon Edwards and Leon Edwards has had a great run over the past few years. He hasn't lost since Kamaru. He lost to Kamaru Usman back in, I think it was December of 2015. So, you know, he's, you know, Usman is the current welterweight champion. So Leon Edwards is definitely on a good run. You know, the last time we saw him was a couple weeks ago against Bilal Muhammad, and it ended in a no contest due to an eye poke um, from Leon Edwards to Muhammad. But, you know, anyone who was watching that fight saw that Edwards was the better fighter, and I feel like he definitely deserves this high-profile marquee matchup to, you know, hopefully vault him, or at least for his sakes, vault him into a number one contender status. You know, we've got Masvidal and Usman lined up next month for the first live card in Jacksonville, Florida. So it's going to be a packed stadium or a packed arena there. It's going to be a huge card. And definitely Leon Edwards with this matchup that's going to be almost a month after that he's going to be trying to establish establish himself as the number one contender so Nate Diaz is definitely someone that will bring eyeballs if he wants a, a chance to show out and really make a name for himself that's the way to do it you know it made me curious this morning I was like okay I heard they've made the announcement for the co-main event that's a pretty big fight and it made me wonder what the main event was and I guess this must have been announced a couple days ago and I must have missed it and I think all my friends must have missed it because no one else hit me up about it but it looks like the main event for UFC 262 is going to be uh, Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira for the undisputed lightweight title you know Khabib Nurmagomedov has you know, retired, and I know that Dana White was kind of reluctant, reluctant to strip him of the belt and accept Khabib's retirement, but it seems like it's finally, you know, he's finally accepted it, and they're trying to move on with the 155-pound division, so it looks like, you know, um, Chandler and Oliveira are going to be the first ones to get a crack at it. Chandler, he had an impressive debut against Dan Hooker on the Conor McGregor card at UFC 257. He starched Dan Hooker in like about two and a half minutes. It was one of the most impressive debuts in UFC history. So he's had a, you know, he was probably been the most hyped 155 pounder outside of the UFC for the past decade. You know, very successful career in Bellator. And he's parlayed that into a pretty, you know, an, a relatively immediate title shot, you know, 
if you ignore the two and a half minutes he spent in the cage with Dan Hooker. So Michael Chandler, he's the real deal. And I'm excited because Charles Oliveira, he's a guy that's been in the UFC for a long time. I think he has 26 UFC fights under his belt. And he's currently on an eight-fight win streak. You know, his last time we saw him was against Tony Ferguson. And he kicked the shit out of Tony Ferguson. You know, Tony Ferguson might not have been the same Tony Ferguson we've seen over the past decade. You know, I feel like that beating he took at the hands of Justin Gaethje kind of has left him a shell of himself. And I think we're really kind of get an idea of how Ferguson will be, you know, when his upcoming fast match against Benil Dariush. But either regardless, Charles Oliveira looked great, so you know maybe it was it was Tony Ferguson looking a shell of himself, or maybe it was just Charles Charles Oliveira being that much better. But there was a point where like he had Ferguson an armbar and literally looked like he was gonna rip that dude's arm off. So you know, Oliveira he's dangerous stand up, he's dangerous on the ground with jujitsu, and I think that's gonna you know it's a perfect style matchup where you got Michael Chandler who's got you know dynamite fists he's a really great boxer and he's an extremely good wrestler so that's going to be a great great title fight at 155 and I think that's going to be perfect and I'm imagining that the winner of the Poirier and McGregor fight is probably going to be lined up to fight the winner of this but you know I think that all depends on whenever they do decide to book McGregor and Poirier 3 so we'll be keeping an eye on that uh, UFC on ABC2, that's supposed to be taking place in April, I believe, and that was supposed to be headlined by middleweights Darren Till and Marvin Vittori, but Darren Till apparently had to pull out of the fight because of a broken collarbone, so he's out, and it didn't take too long for them to find a replacement for Vittori. It looks like Kevin Holland has volunteered and Vittori has accepted. I don't think they've made it quite official yet, but, you know, I think that that's going to be a good match. You know, Kevin Holland, we last saw him pretty recently against Derek Brunson, and it was a completely lethargic performance. He, he dropped a decision where he wasn't aggressive. He spent too much talking or time talking, like, on the walk-up to the ring while he was in the cage, while he was in his corner in between rounds. It even it, it was such a bizarre performance, it left Dana White questioning whether Kevin Holland had a mental breakdown in there. So after the fight, Kevin Holland has men mentioned that you know, I think he thinks that the idea of a five-round fight kind of got to him, and he just never really pulled the trigger or pressed the gas pedal with anticipation of trying to, you know, save energy for 25 minutes of fighting. So I think there was definitely inexperience there, you know, being in his first five-round main event. And, you know, I think a lot of people try to talk again, you know, talk a lot, you know, before they go into these high-profile moments for the first time and, you know, thinking that they're ready or it's not going to bother them. But it was kind of nice to you know, get some honesty from a fighter and be like, hey, you know, the moment was a little too big for me. I had a wrong game plan. And it's going to be nice that if he does get this shot against Vittori, you know, Marvin Vittori is someone that is clamoring for a title shot. You know, he wants to fight Adesanya. I mean, the last time he even lost a fight was a split decision to Adesanya. So he definitely wants to get back in the cage. And I'm sure he has a belief that he's the man that can take the belt off Adesanya. So, you know, Kevin Holland... Marvin Vittori, that's definitely a fight that I think would be, you know, great for us UFC fans, and especially for a card, you know, UFC on ABC too. You know, those network shows or, or cards are usually big, you know, lots of eyeballs, you know, whenever they have the UFC on Fox, you know, if you're, you know, Fox 11 or wherever your local Fox station is, and now having this on ABC, you know, 
there's the chance for those being potentially having more viewers than any of the pay-per-views since they're free to watch. So, you know, I'm hoping that they can make this fight happen, and I'm hoping to see if Kevin Holland can, you know, bounce back, you know, from his bad performance against Brunson. And before I end this show, there's one more kind of topic in the sports combat world that I wanted to talk about. Well, there's a few other things. You know, before I talk about the thing I was originally scheduled to talk about, I saw that there was the announcement that Anderson Silva and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. have agreed to a boxing match. So, you know, that was something I just saw yesterday. I haven't seen any official stories written on it, but it was it was something that I got, like, you know, update on my Facebook from one of the pages. So, you know, there's smoke to that, and I guess we'll, you know, report if that becomes official. So that's something to keep an eye out. But the thing that I did want to talk about was this past weekend – there was a press conference for Jake Paul and Ben Askren. They have a boxing match coming up in April. And, you know, I thought it was very, you know, I've been someone who's thinking that Ben Askren is going to win this matchup regardless of how good Jake Paul looks shadow boxing and how many good trainers he has and how good he looked against Nate Robinson. At the end of the day, Ben Askren's a real combat athlete, you know, regardless of it being mostly in wrestling. You know, he's an MMA fighter. He's an MMA champion, you know, world champion from 1FC. He was, you know, he also was a, a champion in Bellator. He did all of his training out of Duke Rufus MMA. And, you know, Duke Rufus is a coach whose base is a kickboxing coach. So you can't tell me that Ben Askren, while training at Duke Rufus MMA, wasn't dealing with striking and dealing with elite-level strikers, both kickboxing and boxing. So I just feel that, like, just the experience of actually having dealt with fighting people at the biggest stages on the mall in front of crowds and you know just wrestling at the highest levels it's like none of this phases Ben Askren you know one of the things that on top of being an elite wrestler and a dominant MMA person is that he has a big personality and a lot of the shit talking and you know mind games that Jake Paul's trying to do is not phasing Ben Askren at all you could tell during the press conference I felt like it was pretty evident right off the bat that Jake Paul was losing the mental game anything that Jake Paul was saying it was not bothering Ben Askren I felt like Jake Paul was definitely getting hot-headed and you could tell he was getting upset during the entire press conference you know I felt like it looked like someone who was like immature in over his head and then versus someone who was mature calm cool-headed and it really just kind of boiled over at the end when they had like a stare-off and you could tell Jake Paul was just trying to get in Ben Askren head and he could not give a shit Ben Askren has been nose to nose with killers in the cage and on the wrestling mat so you know this rich you know in shape dude that knows how to box you know at the end of the day it's like it definitely doesn't intimidate him and you know I think that says a lot and you know when they were done with their little face off Ben Askren almost kind of like a big brother you know just kind of put his little hand in his hand in Jake Paul's face and kind of pushed it away like yeah get out of my face dude and you could tell dude that pissed off Jake Paul man he like did like a it looked like a rabbit punch to Ben Askren's like kidney I think a lot of people are calling it a slap so maybe he hit him with the open hand but either way Ben Askren didn't flinch at all and then he they sh- and then he like shoved Ben Askren and Askren looked like he kind of got you know bumped into one of the female workers that was working the event so Jake Paul I think looked completely bad I think he was trying to almost 
you know, be Conor McGregor in a way, like how Conor McGregor and, and Floyd Mayweather, how they kind of had pretty extravagant press conferences leading up to their fight. I felt like he was trying to do that, but it just wasn't working. And he kept talking about other people he wants to fight, like how Nate Diaz is next and all roads lead to McGregor. And it's like, bro, like you have to beat this guy who his face literally looks like he got whacked with a shovel. Like, I mean, that's if you want to see what a fighter looks like, he may not have the most impressive looking body, but from all accounts, that dude that's been wrestling since he was a kid and he, you know, he's a world champion. Good luck. Good luck with this dude. I feel like Ben Astrid's going to drag him into deep waters and Jake Paul's going to regret, you know, having this big of a fucking mouth and doing it. So either way, they, Jake Paul at least has done something successful. He's talked his he's talked me into opening my wallet and wanting to watch this fight so i'm sure we'll probably talk about this a couple more times leading up to april 17th i think that's when the pay-per-view is so yeah definitely be talking about that and that's going to be interesting so that's all i have for today's show i appreciate everyone that's taking the time to download and listen if you enjoyed what you listened to today be a friend tell a friend and if you didn't enjoy it, maybe just pretend that you never listened to the show. You know, go, you know, be a friend of the show. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Go to the Facebook page, interact, comment, whatever. But until next time, I'm your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.